Chapter Thirteen of the Steel Hammer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Diana Beauvais. The Steel Hammer by Louis Albach. Translated by Elizabeth Warmley Latimer. Chapter Thirteen An Illumination. When Gabrielle went back into her salon, she rushed to the chimney-piece and lighted all the wax candles. She wanted to have a good light to make sure of the numbers given her by Madame Mortier, and to compare them with the numbers of the burn notes that she had written down herself. The examination was a brief one. It established Gaston's innocence. Neither of the notes returned by Monsieur Henriot bore numbers that would implicate him gabrielle gave a sigh of triumph as if she had expected this result it was true that monsieur henrion had only returned her two notes for a thousand francs together with some smaller ones it was true that monsieur henri d'arbois had gone off with fifteen more notes which might include those that bore the fatal numbers it was true that the upholsterer's wife had mentioned twenty-five thousand francs and that gabrielle did not exactly remember what sum her husband professed to have won at cards alas if by chance he owned to having won twenty-five thousand francs madame de monterey's anguish instead of passing off would only begin over again but no here on this very spot before that fire from that very chair had not gabrielle seen a woman more menaced by a chain of real circumstances that was tightening round her than she need be by vague appearances by moral impossibilities which she could not reconcile together in her own mind had she not just listened to the unhappy wife of the upholsterer defending her husband and afraid she might defend him to his hurt had they not found a hammer belonging to jean mortier which corresponded to the marks on the head of the murdered man could the upholsterer satisfactorily explain the circumstance of his having spent the night in the bois de boulogne and finally was he not in the hands of the law which rarely let its prey escape and which besides acts deliberately never arresting people unless appearances are greatly against them and in consequence is very rarely mistaken gabrielle was an optimist she believed in human justice emilienne did not is not faith often the result of a strong desire to believe but if madame mortier did not believe in lawyers she did believe feverishly obstinately frankly and sublimely in the innocence of her husband this ineradicable belief seemed an untoward circumstance to gabrielle even now that every other danger appeared to have passed away why might she not suppose that madame mortier was trying to deceive her why not gabrielle grew excited at this thought she lit up all the candles in the candelabras with their prisms she wanted all possible light leaning her elbow on the fireplace and looking at herself steadily in the glass under the light of the wax candles and in the light of her own eyes she studied her own face and then said to herself have not i been trying to deceive her am i not anxious to lead every one astray did i not make that unhappy woman my dupe does not the power of self-sacrifice that gives me courage to smile enable me to comprehend the duplicity of this wife and mother who is as jealous as i am of her honor and good name and suppose i had proofs against gaston instead of accumulating as i am now doing proofs of his innocence could i not be capable of dissimulation 
so that no one might suspect my fears do not wives even the best of us have the most marvellous power of deception where our love is concerned and surely god is not angry with us for hiding our tears under a mask which stifles our cries as we endure martyrdom a woman cannot be a mother and a wife and tell the whole truth to a sick child or to a husband who has to be brought back to goodness i ought to laugh when i want to cry and then i do laugh i try to look handsome i try to look happy and who would not be deceived by my looks that poor woman just now was deceived by them why may she not also have been deceiving me as she said this with her beautiful face almost transfigured but with a pang in her heart gabrielle was smiling to herself before the glass taking pleasure in the pastime endeavoring to persuade herself that she had hit upon the truth at last for she well knew that the moment she stopped coquetting with her conscience she would fall down sobbing on her knees the sound of voices in the anteroom interrupted this survey of herself gaston and his boy were coming home from their walk they came back very merry they were singing that was another strange thing doubly strange for monsieur de monterey never had a habit of singing and the little boy was unusually silent for his age under the influence of the sadness of his home was it possible that gaston past master in the art of lying was doing exactly what his wife had done endeavoring to demonstrate both to her and to himself to what degree of perfection he could carry the art of deception ah i will soon know if this is real thought gabrielle and suddenly she remembered the words of madame jean mortier and fancied that lies were as perceptible as truths to true conjugal affection in the disorder of her spirit drawn always at once she mixed together the most contradictory theories she took up the very one she had just been convincing herself was false and after having demonstrated satisfactorily to herself what powers the determination to be false puts into the hands of those led into deception through self-devotion or through fear she was ready to imagine in an instant that at the first glance she would be able to see under the mask if her husband were deceiving her she went forward to meet them as they came in from their walk they came in keeping step in a sort of march like two little playfellows at play their walk seemed to have intoxicated them roger was a beautiful boy he had his mother's blue eyes dreamy and soft a well-shaped mouth already thoughtful taking its expression from the faces round him from his father he had his beautiful white skin and polished forehead gabrielle was sometimes disquieted lest this should be a sign of physical or moral weakness but roger's health was excellent only he grew taller rather than stout in his somewhat melancholy home like flowers growing in the shade he grew up toward the sun which did not often reach him of itself it would have been sacrilege to accuse him of deception he had the innocence that children have whose mothers rarely leave them but his intelligence made him conscious of a mysterious want of harmony between the two who both kissed him the one to comfort herself the other when in need of self-restraint and tender to his mother but fond of his father at the same time he became a close observer and serious by instinct his little laughs were sometimes only an effort to hide his childish embarrassment when he did not know why he pitied his little mamma or what he could blame his papa for that evening he was wildly gay he broke step ran to his mother jumping round her as he kissed her and bringing her a big bouquet of violets 
he was not false dear little fellow he was bringing home the gaiety to which his father had been treating him as they took their walk as well as to milk in the bois de boulogne and waffles in the champs elysees oh mamma he cried sucking in the kiss that gabrielle gave him we have had such a nice time where have you been asked madame de monterey yielding to the charm of his caress to the bois de boulogne he insisted on going said gaston in the best of humors going toward his wife and holding out both his hands monsieur de monterey's face had never looked so beaming his eyes so brilliant or his mouth so serene he was frankness itself nature was revealing itself gabrielle did not ask herself whether all this excitement might not arise from a sense of an unexpected great deliverance rather than from innocence she was quite taken in by its evident reality she was weary of analysis she wanted to have the comfort of feeling that she had done her husband wrong like women deeply in love who after having tried to pluck up by the roots one by one all their reasons for not loving suddenly appear to give up all restraint and rush into an absorbing passion so gabrielle in presence of this man grown beautiful as he seemed to her with all the beauty of their early married life the precious grown-up baby she had promised always to protect resolved only to listen to the voice of her tenderness to devote herself more absolutely than ever to that vocation of sister mother and protectress to which she had been consecrated by her guardian gaston's father her duty was to love whatever happened before everything else always to love was a higher duty than to judge she had no need of any long arguments to be convinced of that her conversation with emilienne had charged her with a sort of electricity which was not exactly related to any question of morality to any suspicions to any past scruples but was like sparks thrown off from the love of another woman devotedly attached to her husband and influenced also by the bright springtide that roger and gaston had brought home from their walk in the bois she too wanted the voice of her youth to find utterance in song and speech that voice that so long had been hushed had been constrained she bent her forehead toward her husband for his kiss for some months past he had only kissed her hands and as gaston's lips touched her she felt neither the chill that the lips of a criminal might be supposed to communicate nor any fever of remorse it was the warm caressing touch of real affection a conjugal kiss simple and true her heart sighed away its last anxieties and covering her smile with the bunch of violets whose fragrance she inhaled with all her might she said interrupting her words by putting the flowers to her lips so you have had a charming walk yes said gaston a very pleasant one and it has given us grand appetites roger has it not there wasn't any good milk in the bois de boulogne broke in the child papa made me drink some beer and that has made me hungry gabrielle laughed at this argument well then she said i will hurry up dinner she rang the man-servant who came in for orders brought a lamp which he put down on a side table when he saw so many wax lights burning he was going to put some of them out thinking them unnecessary no leave them you will make a smell said gabrielle gaily and when the servant had gone out she said we will have a grand illumination this evening what for asked monsieur de monterey hesitatingly as he stretched himself at ease in his armchair gabrielle thought that question put the finishing touch to her conviction you seem as if you were returning from a fete she said you are all lighted up yourselves i who was left at home alone 
am going to have my turn yes yes cried roger whose plumed hat and velvet wrapping his mother was taking off as she spoke let's light them all up and make fireworks you should have come with us said gaston languidly yawning either from hunger or a well-satisfied weariness you never asked me to come with you and besides added gabrielle not willing to be too gay i should have missed a visit which affected me very much and which may give me the opportunity of doing a good action the visit of some charitable lady no then who was it gabrielle was surprised at herself for not having introduced the subject of the visit of madame mortier but it was the last dark shade that was likely to flicker over her new-found happiness so she thought she had better bravely make an end of it it was something more she said about that horrible affair in the bois de boulogne gaston did not start he yawned again carelessly the second yawn was longer than the first ah it was the wife of the poor man they have arrested she is quite a nice person she touched me very much he has confessed said gaston suddenly interrupting her how do you know it the evening papers tell how he has been confronted with the body see for yourself he pulled a paper out of his pocket gabrielle took it but did not open it she put it down upon the table poor woman she said with a sigh how i pity her yes said gaston who had got over his yawns and now sat up in his armchair the scene they say was very dramatic there is no room for any further doubt the little hammer they found when they made their search is the thing he used in doing it what kind of hammer asked roger who was listening to their talk but could not understand neither monsieur nor madame de monterey made him any answer roger who probably had a fancy for little hammers persisted what hammer what hammer an upholsterer's hammer said gaston rather impatiently roger did not seem to understand any better than before but his curiosity was sharpened what is an upholsterer's hammer like gaston saw no need of entering into an explanation roger pulled his mother's gown and repeated the question my darling answered gabrielle kindly but frowning a little as she spoke it is a very little hammer like the handle you know of your papa's cane this time roger quite understood why did his face grow red he asked no more questions but going up to the fireplace stood looking down upon the glowing coals as red as his face when gabrielle answered her boy's question she had involuntarily cast a side glance at her husband but gaston just at that moment was setting his hair in order it had been slightly disarranged and his wife could not satisfactorily observe the effect produced by this allusion to the cane he had destroyed and the handle he had raked out of the ashes what did that woman want of you asked monsieur de monterey after an interval of silence she hardly knew exactly she is like some restless soul disquieted by a terrible anxiety she is making inquiries she believes in her husband's innocence that's only her duty said gaston de monterey in a low voice and with a touch of bitterness and solemnity oh it is more than duty it is because her love is so strong for him they seem to love each other passionately and that explains the crime as well as the belief of the poor woman you say he has confessed it yes you can read all the details well i don't know if even his confession would convince her she is sublime in her persistence would you believe it she has been to see those women who supped that night in the same place you did and as they gave her your address at the restaurant 
well that would be enough to cure me of ever going to suppers and frequenting restaurants if i had not turned over a new leaf already and grown good interrupted gaston getting up and walking about the salon what isn't one exposed to i'm tired of it you told her of course that i knew nothing she won't come back here will she she won't come back but if i found out anything that might be useful to her i was to go and see her i have her address i don't want it i told her all that i had heard you tell the police agent it wasn't much she had been too to see her friend monsieur de arbois he couldn't have told her any more than i could she gave me the numbers of the banknotes that had been stolen gaston tired of standing now dropped again into his easy chair what do you want with those numbers he asked again yawning i will use them to compare with every banknote that passes through my hands there were three numbers written down no more that may be enough let me look at them i have them here oh i'm in no hurry replied gaston laughing i haven't got any thousand franc notes in my pocket nor even in my drawers as i have given up cards i shall not be likely to bring home any from the club it is for you to look after that since monsieur henrion always pays your money into your own hands it was a mere foolish precaution useless in fact which made me ask you for those numbers in case there should ever again come a day in which i should not be absolutely cleaned out the tone of these last words and the final slang spoiled somewhat the assurances they were meant to renew to gabrielle it was not wise to let madame de monterey remember too often that her husband had been a gambler and might be one again that slang of the club that word cleaned out de cove was one of the remaining taints of the vice that she hoped entirely to sweep away but after all gabrielle retained one satisfactory assurance from her husband's flow of words he had no more banknotes in his possession had he destroyed those that had been in his hands or had he had none but those he paid away she had little time to think about that question dinner was on the table gaston's gaiety continued and increased at table his gaiety explained his appetite his appetite increased his thirst he kept on drinking healths to his wife and son at dessert he called for champagne insisted on gabrielle's filling her glass which she would not empty let roger wet his lips in the froth did all sorts of absurd things made believe he was at supper declaring he would like to sup that way every night of his life talking all sorts of nonsense about the journey they were going to make declaring he had a particular fancy for traveling and cared for nothing so much as going to distant countries and finally regretted that he had not gone to india with his friend monsieur de arbois gabrielle listened to him quietly she was grave but hid her gravity by an indulgent smile when he rose from the table he had some difficulty in steadying himself it was evident he had lost the power to walk straight you have made me tipsy positively tipsy he said to his wife snapping his fingers as if she had been pressing him to drink wine she took his arm with a sort of maternal authority to lead him back to the salon astonished but not greatly scandalized by the readiness with which this man notorious for fast living had been overcome by his own gaiety and a glass or two of champagne roger no longer hungry was almost asleep gabrielle remained alone with her husband tete-a-tete or rather she was all alone by herself for monsieur de monterey soon went into a doze in his easy-chair 
she was not offended at this mode of proceeding she was ready to pardon this neophyte of the fireside and home and though his first entrance on his new vocation had been consecrated by wine she forgave his little lapse from strict sobriety she was better pleased to see him asleep than to know he was at the card-table she said to herself that she would get accustomed to sit by him while he slept reading to herself or sewing in the end maybe he would learn to keep awake would talk to her and perhaps get interested in literature it was a great gain to have reconquered him even at the price of a little excess as she picked up her sewing on a side table she put her hand on the paper that her husband had brought home and which she had not yet read she picked it up and not willing to seem anxious having persuaded herself that she had nothing more to fear but she looked it all through and ended at last by the supplement in which was a column headed the crime in the bois de boulogne this morning said the paper the man accused who is probably the murderer was confronted at the morgue with the body of his victim the scene was very dramatic and we may assure our readers without going too far that it seemed to convince monsieur the imperial procureur as well as the magistrates and the commissary who were present as soon as the prisoner whose real name we are the first to announce and who is known as jean mortier was placed in presence of the body he was seized with violent trembling and half closing his eyes and looking down he refused for some minutes to look again at the livid corpse the face of which wore an expression of stolid astonishment and on its temples has a hideous wound however on the magistrate's order for the third time jean mortier submitted to the required confrontation his look became fixed his eyes staring horror made his face as white as that of his victim when they tried to force him up to the body he resisted at first and it was thought that among the confused words he stammered were pity pity pardon pardon however when they asked him if he confessed to having murdered his cousin he tried to gather himself up to recover his self-possession and through his closed teeth uttered a few excited denials but these were evidently the almost unconscious protestation of an unfortunate man who most probably has committed his crime under a sudden impulse and who did not till that moment perceive the enormity of his guilt when the steel hammer which we have described was fitted to the wounds on the head of the deceased the accused recovered a brief energy which seemed a supreme effort of his will he watched all the experiments attentively and listened to the explanations of the surgeon the body of the murdered man has three wounds in the skull two though very deep may only have stunned the victim or have produced a slight congestion of the brain but the third wound on the temple must have killed him on the spot the skull is completely fractured and the brain has oozed out at this point in the narrative madame de monterey let fall the paper she realized the horror that had come over jean mortier at the morgue she looked around her with terror as if the corpse of the murdered man might rise before her and point its finger to his gaping wounds but all she saw was gaston stretched out in his armchair with a bright color in his face his head thrown back his polished temples with the hair carefully smoothed over them sleeping peacefully and dreamlessly the sleep of the just then she felt ashamed of the fear that had seized her so suddenly picked up her paper and continued to read the reporter had taken pains to give all possible details he wanted to prove himself a past master in matters belonging to the morgue 
the hammer he said so completely fit the black marks of the bruises and so exactly entered the hole made in the temple that no one present could doubt that the police were in possession of the instrument with which the murder was committed while this examination lasted jean mortier did not utter a sound when they attempted to interrogate him he rolled his eyes as if frightened struggled made impatient gestures as if he saw an accusing spectre and fell backwards in a fainting fit from which he did not recover till he was in the carriage being carried back to prison it is said at the courthouse that there are other facts which will be presented to the jury which are inexplicable except on the supposition that the victim was waylaid and murdered and it is expected that the prisoner may be easily persuaded to abandon his line of defense we do not know whether on recovering from his fainting fit he made any direct confession but we think it very probable denial seems impossible after the scene we have described this confrontation has in it all the marks of the old ordeal when appeal was made to the judgment of god in old times it would have sufficed to condemn the prisoner but modern justice proceeds more cautiously she does not put her confidence in appearances she accepts them only as affording her a clue it is said that the preparation of the case by the juge d'instruction which has been much simplified by what has passed this morning at the morgue will be terminated almost immediately and that the chamber of the mise en accusation footnote answering to our grand jury translator end of footnote will make out its indictment in time to send jean mortier before the assizes of the department of the seine during next july jean mortier has an interesting face his broad forehead shows an intellectual development which might be said to indicate a poet but one remembers that lacenaire aspired to write poetry and that there are dreamers and enthusiasts who might become themselves victims and martyrs but who under the illusion of some fixed idea become instead tyrants and murderers it was rumored that the crime was committed to gratify the caprices of a mistress the old adage which is commonly right of find the woman seemed a sufficient explanation but it is in our power to inform our readers that the marriage is a legal one and that madame mortier is greatly esteemed in her own neighborhood our contemporary therefore was mistaken though it always professes to be better informed than others when it announced that madame jean mortier had this morning been arrested as an accomplice this fact is absolutely untrue we will keep our readers fully informed and they may judge by the exactitude and fullness of the details that we here offer them that we shall be in a position to gratify their illegitimate curiosity we heard monsieur the commissaire de la prefecture of police remark that the murderer notwithstanding his delicate appearance must have been endued with more than common strength to have made such frightful wounds with so small a hammer if it had had a long handle the violence of the blow might be accounted for by the force of the swing it would then have had the nature of a sling and the slight strength of the murderer would have been doubled will jean mortier have this point in his defence gabrielle again let fall the paper these last reflections of the journalist seemed to her like nails hammered into her bosom she did not know whether jean mortier was or was not physically stronger than her husband could gaston have killed a man with an ordinary hammer 
might he not have needed that long handle which the pliant stick of his cane so fearfully represented and after all jean mortier had not confessed gaston had deceived her or else he had read carelessly his fainting proved nothing but his extreme sensitiveness that so-called judgment of god the old ordeal which the journalist so glibly alluded to to air his erudition was just a phrase and nothing more no the upholsterer had probably made no confession when he came to himself in the carriage he had no doubt protested earnestly against the construction that would be put upon his natural emotion gaston had been too eager to reassure her if he guessed her emotion or to reassure himself she looked at monsieur de monterey with a steady gaze that might have startled him in his slumbers he was asleep but not so peacefully as before for he was restless in his chair he frowned his lips moved as if he wished to speak or to utter a cry by degrees as he moved he got out of his seat and as he was almost about to slide down out of his chair a sharp pain in his knee awakened him he drew himself up recovered his balance looked round him as if frightened astonished apparently that he had not fallen down some precipice saw gabrielle looking at him smiled vaguely made believe to be dazzled by the light of the candles on the chimney-piece and said have i been asleep yes did i dream i don't know it must be the open air he went on i never go to sleep after my meals as you know it is not very polite of me is it is it late he got up looked at the clock found out that it was only nine dared not say he would go to bed so early and sitting up in his armchair which he drew nearer to his wife said let us talk a little will you i shall be very glad gaston at this moment felt the paper under his foot which had slipped down from his wife's lap in his direction he picked it up have you read it he asked yes but you made a mistake what mistake that unhappy man the upholsterer has not confessed not confessed no it only says that when he was confronted with the victim he was very much moved and fainted away well said monsieur de monterey in a lowered voice and what do you want more i don't want anything replied gabrielle seized again with a dreadful doubt why should i want him to be guilty especially now that i have seen his wife and have become interested in her i only said that his fainting proved nothing gaston rubbed his hands and cracked his joints and seemed to want to rub off his very skin well i say that it proves everything he said nervously at last and there are other things besides yes the hammer but gabrielle could not go on she was afraid and she was still more afraid when after two minutes of silence she saw that her husband was not going to ask her to finish her sentence nor did he answer it though he might guess the close the candles twinkled on the fireplace and were multiplied by two mirrors opposite each other so that there were long vistas of illumination gaston got up again steadied himself on his legs and was going to put out the glare of so much light which hurt his eyes but drawing near one of the candelabra he hesitated to blow out the candles remembering what gabrielle had said to the man-servant and turned his back to the fireplace so doing he saw the same vista of illumination at the other end of the salon stretching away into the distance he walked round the room once or twice knocking himself against the furniture and went and flung himself into an easy-chair near the lamp as if he wanted to choose the light least painful to his eyes and to his feelings he thought it incumbent on him to hum a little air 
to prove that he was gay, although he seemed greatly fatigued by his walk and by the digestion of his dinner. Gabrielle was seized by a sudden frenzy of despair and courage. The hour seemed to her propitious to any attempt to get at the truth, if it were to be had from her husband. Madame Jean Mortier's visit had roused her, and had left her in a ferment of heroism. The single agitation of Gaston brought back her former uneasiness. The account in the paper and the commentaries of the journalists, since they had not set her fears at rest, seemed more to alarm her than ever. She must end it. The truth. Let her but have the truth. She would think what must come of it after. She rose, resolved, went toward her husband, stood behind him, and putting her hand upon his shoulder, said in a voice at once tender and determined, Listen to me, Gaston. I have been tormented for the past three days by dreadful thoughts, and I want to set them at rest. You promise me to give up cards. Well, you see, I'm keeping my word. I'm not gambling. Yes, but I want to know what brought you to this sudden resolution. Gaston gave a little laugh, took his wife's hand, which worried him as it lay upon his shoulder, and carrying it to his lips, said with a child's submissiveness, I suppose you don't want me to tell a fib? Oh, no, I implore you, mon ami, whatever you may have to tell me, to confess to me, tell the truth. I want the truth, the whole truth, do you hear? Don't be afraid of paining me. Well, the truth is, I have been disgusted with cards this long time, and, as I am cleaned out, I have nothing left to play with. So, you see, I have no great merit. It was a very simple thing. And yet the last time you played, you won. People seldom leave off playing just as they have made an enormous gain. Why not? Yes, I won, but it is a chance that might never recur again, and I had a big debt to pay. How much did you win? You know, for I gave it all to you. You only gave me two thousand and some odd hundred francs, and before that you paid Monsieur de Arbois. True, I forgot. I am so little accustomed to good luck that it confuses me. Well, yes, I won fifteen thousand francs, and afterwards about twenty-five hundred. That was all. All? All, I swear. I have not got a sou left. Were you thinking I was making up a little purse for myself? At what club did you win that money? This question was a home thrust, and her eyes made it keener, but Gaston was prepared. Without hesitation, without a movement of his face, he named a club of which Gabrielle had never heard. But then it was not surprising that she did not know all the clubs in Paris. And who did you deprive of all this money? she asked, leaning toward him, and looking at him with a smile, a smile that perchance might take flight at his answer. Who? Didn't I tell you? replied Gaston. It was Baron von Stolzberg of Frankfurt a most persevering fellow. I really was sorry to win so much. And who is this baron? Gabrielle had never heard of the man he had been playing with, any more than she had ever heard of the club. Oh, he's a very agreeable man, said Monsieur de Monterey. He is something of an artist, though he is a banker. If we were not just going away, I should like to have asked him to dinner. Well, then, ask him. We are not going immediately." That's true, but I think he is going to leave Paris. Ah, yes, said Gabriel, sadly, very sadly. That is to be feared. He is going away. Probably he is gone already. The sarcastic tone which pierced through the sad accent, 
with which she uttered these words struck gaston no he replied now i think of it i'm sure he told me he would not go before the opening of the exhibit at the salon he is a great amateur so we can ask him up to the first of may this was said with a sort of genial bonhomie gabrielle who felt oppressed gave a long sigh the information that this baron whom she did not know and whom her husband was so ready to present to her had not left paris reassured her a little however the hardest question of all was yet unasked she had to clear up something else something very important the history of the cane broken mended and burned and the disappearance of its steel handle gabrielle hesitated if gaston's answer were not free instantaneous and decisive if he hesitated or shirked the question in spite of all the other reasons she might have to put faith in him she should doubt doubt violently fearfully or rather she would not doubt she would know what implacable need for her own sake as well as for her husband's had she to know the truth did she want to look over the edge of an abyss and lose her balance yes she did any abyss was better than uncertainty with maternal familiarity with cruel caressingness she suddenly took her husband's head in her two hands and turning his face up to her as one turns the face of a child whose eyes we desire to look into and twisting his neck slightly so that he uttered a cry she looked full into monsieur de monterey's eyes with her own eyes very near him and with her warm breath on his mouth as if to insist upon an answer to her words tell me she said why when you came in the other evening you hid your cane why was it broken why did you snatch it out of my hands when i gave it back to you why did you burn it why why what a lot of whys interrupted gaston with a short laugh the unnaturalness of the laugh might have been due to the way his throat was twisted gabrielle let go his head but did not release his eyes without taking hers from his face she came half round him and leaning her elbows on his chair and bending over him she waited for his answer jealous cried monsieur de monterey laughing more freely gabrielle frowned this was not the answer she was waiting for was gaston conscious of the shock he was giving to his wife's feelings or was he following up a plan prepared beforehand have not i told you all already he said in an easy tone putting the color straight which had been disarranged by gabrielle no well it is rather hard to confess ah the poor woman began to tremble and yet she went on resolutely to the end is it a crime you have committed she said with the contraction of the lips meant for a smile but her eyes were restless and her eyelids worked nervously gaston started but he laughed louder than ever a crime well yes then on that famous night i was not at the club after midnight i know it was very wrong very wrong i ought not to tell you and if you get so fierce at the first word i can't go on go on she murmured drawing closer to him well then my dear little woman i went to see henri de arbois and he was visiting a woman where does she live how curious you are i want to know everything where does she live gaston without hesitation gave her an address what's her name gaston gave a name the rapidity of these answers was a masterpiece of effrontery or else it was a proof 
of truth carried to the limit of propriety i shall remember the name and the address said gabrielle threateningly what are you going to do about it i am going to find out if you have told me the truth i will go and see her as the wife of poor jean mortier went to see those women who supped at the same place as you gaston seemed hurt you don't encourage me much to be frank with you my dear seeing that for once i have made my confession without drawbacks or reserves ah if i were only certain it was a full confession what penance would you inflict on me none i should forgive you all the past and believe you for the future gaston reflected for a second or two and bore with courage or effrontery the searching look in his wife's eyes i have not anything very bad to confess he said with coaxing in his eyes and voice and with charming frankness of manner then why don't you let me know at once my friend henri de arbois is always laughing at me you know for being so afraid of your goodness in contrast with my own folly gabrielle here remembered that monsieur de arbois who had sometimes come to see her had jokingly spoken of the submission with which gaston in common with other husbands would say to his friends when he stayed later than usual at the club ah if my wife could see me now how she would scold me exaggerating of course her indignation but pleased to escape from her tutelage and ready to plunge into fresh follies because they had acquired the attraction boys find in playing truant with a little nod madame de monterey assented to the fact that she was greatly to be dreaded by her husband well pursued gaston the other night all the time we were at cards and at supper henri kept on saying to me you are afraid your wife will scold you that she'll put you in the corner i came very near to getting into a serious quarrel with him and then out of stupid bravado just to show i could do as i pleased when he asked me to go with him and see an actress whom he visits i agreed then that was before you went to the club where you won the money no we parted on the boulevard when we came out of the restaurant then i gambled again and won after i had the money i said to myself that i would not wait twenty-four hours before paying my debts and i went and i looked up my friend where i knew he was to be found what did you go and make a visit to any woman at three or four o'clock in the morning in the first place it wasn't more than three i recollect and then i knew that i should not break in on a tete-a-tete gabrielle's color modestly rose how did you know that i knew that Honoré's actress was at an actor's ball and would not be home before early morning he had asked me to come and keep in company while he was waiting and said that we would have a game of bezique i refused but when i had won and had the money in my pocket Charlemagne, as we say at the gaming table i thought it would be fine to go and tell him of my luck we fellows are all like that i knew where he would be and there i found him yawning trying experiments with the cards all by himself tempted to get the lady's maid to play with him her mistress had not come home we had time to settle up our accounts and we were playing bezique when she came back with another lady do you want her name and address too no no go on murmured gabrielle ashamed to be forced to listen to such a story confounded by the minuteness of the details almost convinced by their number and particularity gaston had recovered his self-assurance he saw that his wife though not yet convinced was disposed to accept all he was relating to her he went on volubly 
and then while henri paid court to his actress i was the object of the other lady's attentions why was she there i am sure i don't know excuse me for telling you all this but you insisted on hearing it i have not much more to tell you it was just one more piece of folly on my part added to the many i have been guilty of i had no right to leave you worrying all night alone for nothing i am sorry i did feel i ought not you will do me the justice to confess that though i may be a good-for-nothing gambler i never have given you cause to accuse me of anything else so i was ashamed of having gone there i was going away when the young woman very angry with me seized my cane which i had in my hand and told me she should keep it as a forfeit that i would not get it back again unless i came after it to her house you know i never had much patience i wanted to recover what belonged to me and i was a little too rough it seemed to me like sacrilege to leave even for a few minutes a thing you had given me in that person's hands i had a struggle with her to get the stick and in the trial of the strength the cane got broken i, I only wish i had broken it across her shoulders that's all i went off furious i did not choose to come home at once i wanted to walk off my anger i was thoroughly ashamed of myself i didn't like as soon as i came in to give you so humiliating an explanation i did not dare i hid my cane intending to have it quietly mended and nobody the wiser why did you fling it into the fire when i gave it back to you i was wrong i see it now but you see i felt as if this having it secretly mended by your orders was a reproach i could not bear i could not control my impulses of course it was ridiculous i beg your pardon my darling you must make me another present and i will take better care of it meantime don't be angry with me indeed you ought not i give you my word of honor i am so anxious never to give you any cause to be grieved with me any more that that ought to efface all my past sins for indeed i am telling you the truth look me full in the face as much as you please you will not find me afraid to meet your eyes Tien. see now if i look afraid he opened his eyes to their full extent and it was true he did not seem to have the slightest fear his mouth half open was tremulous with ardent tender feeling his eyes which two hours earlier had had the brilliancy of drunkenness had slept it off and were bright and clear again gabrielle saw in her husband all the lost beauty of the early days of their married life and the years that had preceded it that juvenile charm she had so often gazed at and admired when as a young girl she said to herself that she must love him with more than a sister's love if she were to fulfill the mission imposed on her by old monsieur de monterey her guardian if gaston were sincere in his repentance and true in his explanations was it not delightful to think that with a good conscience he had regained the early beauty of his face beauty is not unfrequently an argument for goodness gabrielle was weary of her struggle she wished so much to be convinced that she forgot all the reasons she had for not being so nor was she aware that she the more readily believed all these extraordinary explanations because they were accented underlined as it were by kisses on her hands and on her arms though not upon her mouth he did not dare she let two big tears fall they were proofs of her weakness and of her surrender and laying her head upon her husband's breast she said with angelic gentleness ah if you are deceiving me this time i shall die 
then gaston for the first time in his life knew what true love was he had not before understood it now he understood blasé and indolent and selfish as he was either fear or remorse softened him and he felt a new light dawn into his soul though his smiles had been false the tears he shed were true he wept because he could not help himself under the influence of those soft moist eyes in which he read forgiveness ah if for the future i ever cause you another sorrow dear he said i shall kill myself gabrielle accepted this show of feeling as a proof of truth she had had more questions to ask but she could not put another was she therefore a coward she was simply a wife and that evening she went to bed intoxicated by her happiness having dried with kisses the first genuine tears on her husband's part that had ever responded to her own the most consummate hypocrite may have in hours of great danger involuntary ebullitions of feeling which may really serve his cause because at least they are genuine i have always thought that tartuff must have deceived himself and that he could never have played his role of impostor so perfectly unless he were acting under an illusion and was unconscious that he was acting end of chapter thirteen recording by diana beauvais